I just had to put that in. Okay. I'm going to full screen on my screen. Looking at you. You can do the same. How do I full screen you? I'm going to pin you. There's the three dots on your square, and it just says. Or a spotlight. It's too much. I can't join. I can't join. So can everyone else please mute, like can you everyone else please mute their microphones while yeah while they're talking? No worries. So if you're not Shady or David Abdi, please mute. But don't worry, we will hear from everyone uh, at some point tonight because we want to hang out and hear from you guys. Uh, yeah. But yeah, shall we just shall we get going? Yeah, let's get cracking, man. So what's up, guys? It's good to be uh, with you um, virtually. Um, mm. So for those of you who don't know why we're doing this and have been asleep for the past two weeks, there's this thing called the coronavirus. And um, it's kind of been pretty crazy and spreading quite a lot. So social distancing, we're trying to be responsible as um, you know, a meeting slash people. And uh, we're creating a virtual space to meet together, chat together, share God's word together, pray together on a Thursday night. Um, and yeah, so this is our first time doing this. We're really keen to get feedback from all of you guys about how you think this goes um, and uh, adjust it for future. Um, yeah, Shads, you want to announce anything or say anything? Yeah, I think... Um something that we normally do on a Friday night that's a little bit different today is something like tithing where um, I don't, this is probably a topic for another podcast, but what does generosity look like when everybody's kind of trying to hoard stuff, which is something that you mentioned to me, Dave, where you're like, maybe it was you, maybe it was Nev, I don't know, maybe it was my boss. Somebody, somebody spoke to me about generosity in a time when everybody's trying to hoard stuff. So, um, you know, how important is it to do something like, um, still give back to God in this time. Um, I think that that would be a really cool thing for us to do. Thankfully, we have a bank account that you can jump onto your banking app and deposit into online. So maybe if Rana or one of the youth leaders can can um, post the account details in the chat, uh, whoever wants to give during, after, whatever, um, and still be able to participate in that without putting something in the physical, uh, that would be that would be great. Um, but other than that, great to see you guys. First time we're doing um, a podcast like this. We had some people yesterday on in the prayer meeting and just in the Zoom hangout afterwards, and it was a great time. So hopefully today is um, just as awesome and, and we're trying something new. So we appreciate your support and your love and your patience and your prayer for it and for us and for the church in general. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just to let you guys know what we're planning for tonight and how uh, we want things to run. So the first thing is that we, Shady and I, for the next hopefully half, well, half an hour, because I'm going to look at the clock and I'm going to wrap this up at half an hour. So in half an hour, we'll finish our conversation um, and we're going to talk about faith uh, when fear is going viral, if you saw what we did there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about that. And we encourage you guys to... Uh, comment in the chat um, uh, questions that we'll then go through at the end of this. Um, mm. And then after that, we'll have a time where everyone's unmuted and uh, we chat, we talk just like you would 
um, at the end of a Friday night, um, meeting up with each other. And then, mm. uh, and that's pretty much it. So that's the plan. Well, maybe not everyone that- unmuted for the Q and A cause that could get a little chaotic, but we'll like, obviously you can speak up. Sure. We'll, f- we'll figure the Q and A out as we get to it. But for now, uh, at least, um, type in the questions that you have in the chat and we'll either do it through based through text or we might unmute certain people to ask certain questions at certain times. We'll figure it out. We'll play it by ear. All right. Well, uh, okay. For those of you who don't know, uh, I'm a doctor and so, uh, coronavirus is, um, you know, something that has been, um, very like, prevalent, obviously, uh, pretty much, I would say 80, maybe even 90% of my consultations these days, uh, to do with people either thinking they have it or, uh, just worried about it, wanting to talk about it. Um, so yeah, Shads, I guess, how's it been impacting your day-to-day life and, and day-to-day functioning work personally? Yeah, man. Um, it's been, it's been really strange just because of how, like how quickly it came on because I know it's been in China for, you know, since whatever it was, November or, or October. Oh, maybe. Um, and um, I, it just, first time I heard of it, it was like the start of March. Like I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of COVID-19 before that. So it just feels like the world sort of turned upside down really quickly and without any warning, like suddenly we're talking about staying home and people are climbing over each other for toilet paper and all this kind of crazy stuff that, was just not on any of our minds before that. And you're a doctor. My role is to be a community manager. So I'm in a building full of people who I'm there to support. And right now I'm in that same building. And instead of there being, you know, three, 400 people in it, there's nine, 10 people in it. So it's a big dramatic shift of sort of what the day to day looks like. And everybody's worried about keeping 1.5 meters and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely changed the game. Um, and, um, and it's been interesting to, on that side, but also like starting to see people lose, like actually lose jobs and come to us and say, Hey, we can't pay the rent or, you know, we have kids and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with school and all this kind of stuff. So we're freaked out, but it's not one or two people, it's hundreds at a time. So it's Mm -hmm. been very chaotic at, you know, dealing with that where I work. Um, and I'm sure the same for you with all the people coming into the clinic and, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, been a strange whirlwind, a well whirlwind, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that struck me the most, like the physical side of things, like personally, I'm not too worried about. Um, I don't think a lot of people should be worried about. I think we still need to do our part, obviously, in social distancing, be responsible people. But the physical side of things is not a part that I'm really worried about. The part that freaks me out and and that is really um, confronting is Mm. how people are panicking, like how people are um, getting to a point where they see like toilet paper on the shelf and they think that I must buy like 20 like packets of this. and how people are willing to like literally put other people in harm's way um, to like do their own thing or or whatever else. I've had people literally coming in uh, just like crying about uh, 
the things that they've seen other people do. Um, yeah. I had one yeah. woman. Yeah. I had one woman who went to the grocery store and she, um, she was, uh, she just broke down and cried in front of the, the nappy aisle um, because it was all completely empty. Um, and I had another person witness a fight between two people over toilet paper. And yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. It seems like the world is going crazy around us. Yeah. Yeah. It's made there's me very reflective. Heaps of those, yeah. There's heaps of those videos on Facebook too, of like people yelling at each other in the aisles over toilet paper and stuff like that. And it's, it's, um, it's confronting, like you say, because you sort of, you expect, or like you see society sort of functioning at one level and you feel like it's always going to be like that. Like, oh, this guy's a college professor. There's no way he'd push an old lady, like, you know, or he'd jump over her to get a roll of toilet paper or whatever. But, you know, the desperation and the pressure has brought out the side of people that I actually don't even think they knew was there. But it's definitely been there. But it's just kind of shown, it's just uncovered what's sort of been under the surface. With a lot of people, whether it's been fear or anxiety or like whatever was already there has just kind of been dialed to a hundred. So it's been, it's been interesting to deal with people in that sphere and just kind of hear what's on their minds and, 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 and obviously what's on our own minds as well. Cause like you, I don't feel personally worried. Like I remember swine flu in 2000 and what, eight, nine or whatever. And I got your, your, your mom. Yeah. Your mom was the one who diagnosed me with that. And Guys, be, beware, Shady catches anything and everything. I'm, I'm still, yeah, I'm still contagious, guys. But my, my your mom was the one who diagnosed me and, and she called me back into the clinic and she called my mom, my mom came with me. And, uh, and my mom was sitting next to me waiting for it like it was a cancer diagnosis. And she just, <laughs> she, when Tanta's like, oh, you know, you, you have you have swine flu. Or my mom started crying and like, breaking <laughs> down. And, um, and, and I just, I remember like the little bit of hysteria that that caused and it was nothing compared to this. So, um, yeah, people, people are definitely showing things that have been buried deep that are now coming to the surface because of the, the, the pressure that this has caused. Yeah. So I guess watching the craziness, how have you been coping? Like, have you been doing anything, uh, differently or, um yeah like what what are, what are the things that you've been doing to kind of manage with the craziness yeah i i think like i don't know about for you but for me music is a big thing so i come home and like literally i wash my hands and before doing anything else eating like i just say hi to my family i get into this room and i pick up that guitar or the piano to my right and i just mm. play for 15 20 minutes and that's one of the things that just gets me out of my head and I can concentrate and relax and then kind of tackle the rest of the day that. And it's highlighted to me how important community and connection actually are. Cause I feel like they're buzzwords like, Oh, community, we should be together, like love each other, family, blah, blah, blah. But I think when you take it away, you begin to really feel like I'm a person who is used to, you know, hugging people and seeing them every day and whatever. And that's that element of my life has been removed. And so, um, a phone call means a lot more now. A FaceTime means a lot more now. And so I've been intentional with contacting my friends, with contacting people at work who I need to see. Even at work, we've got things like Zoom where every morning from 9 to 11, the 
entire team is on a Zoom call. Um, so we can all see each other we can all, and we still feel very connected to each other because of that. And thank God for technology in, in that part. And that's sort of the, the physical side and, and on the spiritual side, just making sure that just because church is online or because I, you know, worship isn't happening the same way or whatever, we don't just go, oh, well, okay, we're taking a break. We'll pick up our relationships with God in six months, but now pressing in more because there's actually a greater need and, and a bigger opportunity now than there mm-hmm. is when everyone's kind of just doing their own thing. So yes. that's- I think one of the personal challenges I've been facing is every morning I have a routine, uh, get up. I, uh, I won't say my whole routine, but essentially quiet time. And, um, and then from quiet time, shower, get ready, go to work. And that's, that's my morning. Um, and one of the things that I've been struggling with a lot is the first thing I want to do when I wake up is look at the new stats, look at the new updates, look yeah. at the new guidelines, um, catch up on, you know, and then when I do that, it becomes like a, a, a deep hole of like, I could do it for ages. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, so I think one of the personal disciplines that I'm trying to get into the habit of, and I'm not really succeeding, um, is that prioritize God, his word, the time that I have with him, um, and not let the craziness disrupt that. Um, because yeah. it's really easy to let craziness in your life, whether it be the coronavirus or anything else, disrupt um, your relationship with God. It's very easy to become distracted. Um, on that, I guess one thing I've been hearing a lot has been, well, so I'm part of this Facebook group, um, (laughs) of, uh, GPs who, uh, are general practitioners. Um, and you know, they post lots of things, particularly very active at the moment with the whole coronavirus stuff. And one of the posts that came up recently was this woman who, um, (laughs) who was an anonymous poster and she said, I'm really distressed. I'm really freaked out because I just got this uh, message from one of my supervisors, my GP supervisors. And mm. the message was clearly the GP supervisor was some like, um, I don't know, I'm not going to say a, a denomination, but, but a denomination of Christianity um, that, uh, thanks for upgrading the minutes, by the way, Rana. I appreciate that. <laughs> I saw that. Thanks so much. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, this person posted up um, uh, this message to like all their contacts saying, this is a judgment from God. And like, you know, the world is crippled by this virus and like act up, shape up and da da da. And like, this is God trying to get your attention and, and worse things are to come. And, you know, then started talking about prophecies and things like that in the book of revelation. Um, And yeah, anyway, so there's one Christian mentality out there right now that views everything that we're going through and says, this is, you know, um, well, yeah, like what's your personal view about what's going on and God's role in this? Um, Yeah, well, that's a big, that's a big question. That's a nice curveball. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think that there's a common view that, that comes from, Uh, you know, Jesus speaking um, in like Matthew 24 and Matthew, I want to say 14 and a couple of other chapters where he's talking about like what's going to happen before the end, right? And he's like, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and 
disease and all this other stuff. And he's like, but that's just the beginning of it. And it's going to get worse, blah, blah. And people don't often understand those verses very well. And they haven't really seen them happen to what Jesus is speaking about yet, in my opinion. So sometimes they can be just used to, hey, be afraid. God is, God is judging us. I think that God's role in all, God can use anything. Um, to turn people back to him. It's not necessarily, hey, I'm going to bring this on you to cause you pain or to cause you hurt or to whatever. No, this thing is coming and I'm working within it to bring you back. I'm working within it to show you something else. I'm working within it to uncover something in your heart, in your mind, in your life, to show you a different side of myself. Like as a Christian, I'm not looking at it and saying, hey, God is judging me. God is judging like if I get the coronavirus that's a punishment from God it's my punishment was taken by Jesus on the cross that my my punishment is finished as as far as God is concerned that's not how God operates with me as his child anymore um it's not it's not about inflicting damage on me that he can discipline me but it's not about lightning bolts from the sky that's not what a dad does to his kid um, and, um, and so for, for me personally, as a Christian, it's, uh, it's about, you know, just a reminder, where does like CS Lewis used to talk about this thing where he would say when he went through a phase of doubt and when his wife died, I think was, was, uh, the story, he felt like he had all this faith and he'd written all these books and he'd done all this stuff. And then as soon as God took that away from him, he felt like his whole faith was just a house of cards that was so easy to blow down into the wind and um i think it's moments like these that make us question what is it that we really believe how much does our faith actually matter to us in this moment not so much you know is god judging the world and all this kind of stuff but where do we stand in this in relation to god and um what's he trying to do in our lives and in the world in this moment and i think that that's a really important sort of question to try to think about for now because i think we have a role to play in this atmosphere that we're living in right now. Yeah. What do you think? What do, I'm interested in your thoughts. So, what do you think about that? What yeah. I, I, well, I think that as with many things in our life where God acts in ways that we don't expect or acts in ways that we think are negative or bad or e- some might even say evil, um, I think that sometimes hindsight gives you a better picture of what God might be trying to achieve. And I think that our role as Christians, our role as followers of Jesus is to recognize that this world is still um, under his authority, um, that our lives are both generally speaking are under his kind of authority, but on a personal level that we should surrender our lives and surrender our desires and and this and that and the other thing to him and so when i look at a situation like this i'm not so much worried about what god is trying to do or what he's trying to communicate or say but rather more reflecting about well what's my response going to be um and i think that if you try to put onto god an agenda that you yourself have so in other words god is trying to judge you right he's sending this plague to judge you and that Mm. there's more to come or whatever else well then you could be wrong because you don't know who are you human to to speak on behalf of god 
It could be, um, it could be, I, I personally don't think so, but it could be. But, um, but then again, you know, and also vice versa, if you're saying, oh, you know, God, what, like this is not related to coronavirus, but you know, I hear this all the time. God wants to heal you. God wants to save you. God wants to like, sure. Okay. But yeah. who are you, oh man, to speak uh, for God and like to, yeah. to, to say these things with such like authority. And so I think it's not so much about trying to divine intent or divine a purpose. Um, although we should, I think we should still try to, uh, but be slow to declare that and be quicker to rather declare uh, our response to him in the moment. And so I think the wow. better reaction is not uh, to, yeah, to say these things, but rather to say, all right, God, well, look, I still trust you and love you. And I trust that you're still good, even though the circumstance, the situation doesn't seem very good. Mm. And even though I'm having a hard time, I'm worried. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my unborn baby. I'm worried about uh, my job and finances and this and that and the other thing. Um, and friendship and, and I'm lonely and I'm whatever. Um, mm. But the idea is like, but I still trust you and, and I love you and I know that you're going to provide and, and, and then lean into him and find out how he does provide and how he does mm. reveal things in his time for our good. Yeah. I think a couple of things like, you know, what, what we talk about trust a lot. And I remember just kind of growing up in church, like probably most people on this platform right now joined us. And um, just hearing stuff about God, right? And, um, and it's like this, you should trust God. You should love God. You should obey God. You should respect and fear God, right? You should, um, you know, listen to God and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, and, and they sound right, and you know that they're right. You should trust God, but why? Like, there has to come a point in a person's life, and moments like these kind of help to, to, for a person to sort of really sit down and ask those hard questions. There has to come a point where you say, why do I trust him? Why should I obey him? Is he actually good? Like, because if we're talking about, you know, how do we respond in a time like this? What is our response to God? Rather than what is he doing? We don't always understand what he's doing. We just know that, he knows what he's doing. So what should we be responding? Well, why should I trust him? How can I trust him? Is, is he actually good? So for me, it always comes down to relationship and the knowledge of a person's character. Like if you say to me, um, hey, Shads, go out to your mailbox. I've left you something there. Um, it's a present. I think you're going to like it, right? My first response isn't, nah, Dave's lying. He's pranking me. He hasn't left me anything like you know, they've hated whatever. Like, it's, it's not because I, I know you. I'm like, I, I know Dave. I've journeyed with Dave for 16, 17 years of my life. I know his character. I know that if he's this excited and if he's saying to me, hey, go check your mailbox, it's, there's going to be something going there. And my first response is going to be, hey, I'm going to go to the mailbox. Watch I, see, I want to see what mine looks like. Just wait. guys. Um... So, so I, I will do what you say and I will trust you because I know you, because I know who you are, because I know what you're like. And I think it's the same with God. It's a bit of a cop out to just say, um, you know, trust God, do what he says um, without knowing him, without actually having a relationship with him. But yeah. the cat 22 is that it's moments like these that actually give us insight into what he's like when we don't have anything that we're used to. And then actually lean into God. We say, hey, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going to happen here. And I'm scared. 
help me. And then he does. And now you have a practical experience of what God is actually like that you can use to build on relationship with him. And I, I get that just before you can see wanting to jump in there. Psalm 77. Mm. Uh, Psalm 77 is David, uh, King David, not this day, the man who this man is named after. If, how do you know that? Uh, yeah, maybe you're named after an Egyptian soccer player or something. No. Looking at you, Rana. Looking at you. Okay. Psalm 77 says this. Um, it's David, and David is freak. It's King David, and David's freaked out. Okay. And he says this I, crowd, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I looked for the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and I was troubled. I complained and my spirit felt overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open so that I am troubled and I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old and the years from ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast us off forever? Will he, be favorable? Will he not be favorable to us anymore? Has his mercy stopped forever? Has his promise failed forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his mercies? And it's like, man, David is just freaked out in this moment. And he's going through all of these like doubts of God. Like, man, is he going to be good? Is this the end of the line that said, is he throwing me in the trash can? Is he forgotten that I exist? Is, it, is this the end of it for me? And then um, verse 10, he says, and I said, this is my anguish. And this is the turning point, right? He said, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'll remember the years of God. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate. I'll spend time thinking about all of your works, all the things that you've already done up until this point in my life, in the lives of others. I feel like this is what David was freaked out. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to sit there for a second. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to remember all the things that God has done up to this point. Verse 11, surely I will remember your works. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'll meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is as great as our God? So he went from, you know, has God stopped and cast us off? Has his power ended? And to suddenly, how great is our God, right? Um, you are the God who does wonders, right? He's declaring something. You have declared your strength among the people. You have with your arm redeemed your people. Hey, you've saved us before, right? The sons of Jacob. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you when they were afraid. The depths trembled. The, the clouds poured out water. The, cry, the clouds, the sky sent out a sound. Your arrows flashed about. Your voices like thunder and the whirlwind. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the, the sea. Your path is in the great waters. Your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He went from this like hyper questioning of God and being super scared to just thinking about who God actually is and who God has been and what God has already done. And it gave him comfort. And he ended up praising and worshiping God out of that as opposed to continuing in his fear. And so I think you say, how do you cope? It's been a huge part of my life where I've had this little, the, the youth might've heard this before. I've had this little blue 
journal that's like this, this thick from like 2007 or 2006. And every time God has done something in my life where I can actually say, hey, I prayed for this or this happened and, and this is how God came through. I write the day, I write the time, I write the experience and I write how I felt in that moment and I write how I praised God in that moment. And when the bottom falls out for me, and it has a bunch of times across my life, I literally find that little blue book on my shelf and I do exactly what David does here. I go, I will meditate on your works of old, not just in my life, but in the thousands of years that you have been faithful, Lord. This isn't new for you. You're not freaked out by this. You're not, this isn't like something that you didn't see coming, but no, you're still here. You're still faithful. You're still active and you are still my God and you will still lead me the same way you led all of these people before me. And that turns my worry into worship. Mm. Um, exactly the same as it did for David in this, this passage. That's, for, that's me. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, faith, faith is such a churchy word, such a yeah. Christianese word. And I think we really forget what it actually is and it's just it's trust faith is trust um and you're absolutely right you can't trust someone you don't know or you'd be stupid to trust someone you don't know um you really do need to uh have that relationship with god to be able to trust and one of the things i always think about is is moses you know his first encounter with god um with the burning bush um and he approaches the burning bush with like you know, confusion and a little bit of suspicion. And mm. as God talks to him, that confusion and suspicion uh, turns to blatant, like, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with what you're doing. Um, you know, <laughs> go leave my people. No, bro, I left Egypt. I'm done with it. No. And God eventually commands and says, no, you're, you're doing it. And then as the, rela it's a relationship. As the relationship unfolds, as Moses gets to know God, as Moses gets to understand God and, and know who he is um, and, and see his awesome power, his mercy, his grace at work and unfold and be, be used by God, all of a sudden you go from this man who's very resistant to, to be in relationship and to engage with God um, and, and to even believe that God could do what he's saying um, through him or through anyone and then all of a sudden you see this guy who's splitting apart the Red State. So trust in God, faith in God. Um, it's, yeah, it's relational. You cannot have faith. And I think one of the things we try to do is we try to manufacture it. Yeah. Like it's a mindset. Yeah. It's something I just, I'll just like believe like, or have a positive outlook or whatever else. That's yeah. not faith. Faith is not a positive outlook it's knowing God and it's knowing him so intimately and deeply that, you know, even when a crisis comes around that it's okay, he's got me. And it's not coming out of this false uh, sense of like just blunt. Like I, I hate when people say, when people use the word faith as just like a shrug, like I just have faith, mm. you know, that's yeah. called blind faith and that's not biblical. It's not yeah. biblical to just shrug your shoulders and say, I just have faith in God. Yeah. That's, that's stupid. That's de dangerous. That's dangerous yeah. to you and it's dangerous to people around you. Um, whereas real biblical godly faith is when you know him, uh, when you have seen his works, uh, both yeah. through the Bible as well as in your own life, 
And he yeah. takes you through that same journey that Moses uh, went on and that countless others throughout the years have been on. Um, and he wants us to go on that journey with him. And that's what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And I guess the follow-up to that then though is, well, like you mentioned that this situation is potentially one of those times, one of those opportunities to actually see him at work in our lives, see him at work in the world, trust him and see what he does and, and have it, you know, record it down an hour on little blue books or whatever. Um, well, what do we do in the meantime? Like while we wait, like how do we engage with him? How do we tr show that we trust him in times like these um, while we wait on his? Man, that's, that's like when you go to James, right? There's this, there's a couple of things, I guess. There's a practical, there's a practical element and then there's like, you know, a, a spiritual element. And the spiritual element shows that it's real when the, the, the practical element gets done. So James is saying faith without works is dead, right? It's this idea. I always had this mental image of like going to, when I went to New Zealand, there's this bungee jump that's like a 165 meter drop on the bungee, right? And I, I looked it up, I think it's 164 meters or something. That distance is the exact distance between the top of the spiral of the Harbor Bridge and the water. Like that's the distance that you're falling when you jump off this cliff in New Zealand, right? I've been, I've been thinking about doing this thing for years. I haven't done it yet, but I've been like researching the heck out of it, right? So you know that when you step up to the plate, the guy is going to say to you, okay, you weigh this much, so we're going to attach you to this rope. This rope can hold like three trucks, okay? You weigh 65 kilograms. This, this rope can hold tons of weight, right? It can definitely hold you up. But, and you can say, yep, I believe that. I can see that the rope is tested and it won't fail and the thing that's holding the rope is just as strong and whatever. But really, all of your belief in the rope means nothing unless you're willing to put on the rope, step to the plate and actually jump off. Like, and, and that's what I mean. Moments like these reveal whether we actually believe what we say we believe. And it can be as simple as, hey, God will provide for me. I don't need to hoard when I, need, when I go to the supermarket. Mm. I will actually live with, by example, by going to the supermarket, getting what I need and going home, knowing that I'm doing the right thing before God for myself, my family, and the people around me, and he will provide. Right? Mm. I can say, hey, Anytime now for me, maybe not for you, but anytime now, like my job is on the line, right? I think it's, I think it's going to be fine and I, and I really hope that it is. But at the same time, I don't know if next month or two months from now or whatever, I'll have the same paycheck that I do now, but I still choose to tithe. That's fair. Like, Lord, I, I don't know where it's going to come from next month or this time or this time or whatever. And maybe that's not the case, right? But I'm still going to live as if you are completely in control. Because the reality is, I completely believe that you actually are in control. Mm. Right? And so faith shows itself in the practical outworking, right? That's one thing, but how do we show it today in a, in a practical way other than sort of those things? To me, something that my boss taught me is that the way that Jesus ministered, and it was actually you who, who taught me this a long time ago, before Nev expanded on it is, um, this idea that Jesus ministered by meeting need. Like before he preached the gospel to anyone, he met need. So he told the disciples to go, to bless, to befriend, to heal, and to preach, right? When you distill it, that's sort of the journey. So go is actually have the courage 
to start a conversation with someone, right? To actually, um, wherever it happens to be, the supermarket, home, pick up your phone and call a friend who you haven't talked to in a while, whatever it is. The bless is try to identify what is the immediate need that I can see right now. My neighbor needs a roll of toilet paper. My friend needs somebody to call them right now. You know, this girl needs help with her homework. She's never done school over, you know, online or whatever. Like, there's a need. How can I fill the need and start a relationship, which is the next step, right? From that relationship, how can I actually support that person? Then eventually they're going to open up. And when they open up, how can I share Jesus with them in that moment? It's going to be something that's usually bigger than me. Hey, I'm going through this. I have anxiety. I don't know how to fix that. I don't have the answer. I don't have a pill I can give you that will just make that go away. But in that moment, I can go, hey, when I feel that way, or when I'm faced with a problem like that, the person that I turn to is Jesus. Because, he, because I know, like David, hey, I have my blue book. I've seen God come through. I've lived with him. I've prayed to him, and he has answered me. There is a real relationship there. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to this. Or I'd love to that. And so I think the, the real outworking of faith today is, especially in this time, what is the need? And how can we as Christians do what Jesus would have done to meet that need? If Jesus was in post, how would he have reacted? If Jesus was at work, how would he have reacted? If Jesus was in class, online or physically, how would he have acted? If we can model that without being worried about the consequences of modeling that, to me, that is living in faith today. Sure. Yeah. How do you see that? We should, we should wrap this up because uh, we're about half an hour in now. Um, oh, but I guess, I guess the other thing I would say is, particularly because what I see day to day is the anxiety and the, and that panic that we were talking about. And so I guess adopting an attitude of faith or, or adopting the habits of faith, like how to engage, how to disengage with the fear and the anxiety and how to engage instead with, uh, with steps to, to walk towards trusting God more. Mm. Um, I think there's a few really fundamental basic, basic things, like really basic things that if we do it, um, it helps realign our response and our engagement um, with any stress in our life, any difficulty. Um, and first is, I think, focus on the known. Um, so, you know, when it comes to this situation, for example, um, there's no point worrying about whether or not you'll catch it or not. There's no point worrying about whether or not you're going to be out of a job or you're going to be, um, you know, how, how long or, um, you know, what will happen to my family members or anything like that, because they're all unknowns and they're out of your control. And there's no point engaging with that. Instead, engage with what you know. Um, what you know is, well, basic things like, you know, wash your hands and, and social isolation, all this kind of stuff. What you also know is that God, well, hopefully we know this, that God is bigger, that God still is loves us and loves everyone in the world and his inclination for people is good and not evil um, and, and these kinds of things. So remind yourself of, of what you know and don't focus on the unknowns. Um, mm. Focus on what you have control over. So we don't have control over if I, you know, I don't know. It, I don't have control whether or not the shelves will be stocked, but I do have control over whether or not I'm part of the problem. Um, I don't have control over whether or not I will get infected or not, but I do have control over uh, how I engage with people around me so that I don't get or you know, distancing myself from people. Around. 
I don't have control over how long this will take, but I do have control over who I will trust and how I will conduct myself and my relationship with God and my relationship with others, uh, regardless of how long it takes to resolve. So yeah, focusing on what we control, focusing on helping others. Um, well, helping, helping ourselves by helping others. Um, I think one of the critical, crucial things, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, isolation and, and missing community and things like that. And that is a big problem, but also the, the, the kind of co-joined problem to that is lack of purpose. Um, and I see yeah. it a lot. Huge. Uh, a lot of, yeah. And so, you know, how do you, how you, you kill two birds with one stone, help others um, in this time that will fulfill the purpose and it will help you connect with people. And mm -hmm. it's exactly what Jesus would do. Um, right. And if you want to be Christ like in a situation like this, if you want to activate your faith and, and kind of show your trust in God, then react the way he would engage with people, show love, help people like you were saying. Um, and that is so uh, helpful on, on like different levels. And then uh, the other, the other thing is, uh, limit the source of, of your fear um, and, and maintain perspective. And I think the thing that comes to mind when I think about that is uh, what time? Yeah. All right. Oh, the social media or the oh. news or. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Okay. I thought you were telling me, shut up, David. All right. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no. So like, um, yeah, limiting, limiting kind of the inputs um, to what's helpful. Now, news is not unhelpful necessarily, but being glued to the news and, and stressing over the news can be unhelpful. Um, but more than that, uh, the, the, the thing that comes to mind biblically is uh, Peter. Peter, Jesus, uh, you know, they're in the boat and Jesus comes out to them on the waters and... Um, Peter sees it and they all think it's a ghost, um, and, uh, which is a very rational thought to come to your mind. And uh, then in that situation, the, the next thing that they want to do is they like a like, quick run away. But Peter, he's like, is that you, Lord? And Jesus is like, yes, it's me. And, and then he's like, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And so then he's like, all right, come on out. And guess what? He takes a few steps on the water and he's walking on the water just like Jesus is. And yet, then his eyes, instead of looking at this feet and looking at Jesus, who's already walking on water, looking at himself, who's already walking on water, and like continuing in that, that mode, uh, he does the very human thing, which is to look at the water um, and to look at the waves and to look at the fact that what the heck is going on here? I'm walking on water and this is not possible. And immediately the, the reaction, the response is that, okay, when your fear and your trust in God starts to wane, you start to be swallowed up by the things that you worry about. And, um, and it's such a human thing. So it's not about being in a blind bubble, but it is about always keeping your perspective. And the perspective is that God who did everything to win you back and even went to the cross to, 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 to show you his love and to bring you back in, He's the same God who, who's in this situation, in every situation in our lives. And so keep that perspective um, mm. and limit the source of our fear 
um, so that we can, yeah. So I think those are some practical things uh, that I think are really, uh, that we could practice and that I challenge everyone to mm. practice in our day-to-day -day life um, as we go through this time together um, and uh, to encourage other people to do it as well. Because I've said this before, the only way, do you know the only way to get through this ridiculous period of time and not to watch the society devolve around us? The only way, or I think personally, the only way to go through this time and, and, and not let society turn on itself is by being like Jesus. Um, and I think the more that human, and you know what? We are created in the image of God, so we have inclinations to do these kinds of things. We have these inclinations to help each other, to show love and support and all these kinds of things. The more we do that, the more we become Christ-like, the more that not only will we get through this quicker, hopefully, but also we've come out stronger on the other side. We aren't ashamed of who we are. And, um, and Paul and many of the apostles, they, when they look at their lives and they look at, you know, particularly the persecution that happened in the early church, one of the things that they kept on looking at uh, despite all of this craziness that they were facing in the death and the persecution was they kept on looking on the other side when they yeah. were face to face in front of Jesus. Um, what would he say about them? What would he declare? What would be the, you know, and Paul talks about it as a race that he, he finishes and, and finishes well and a boxer that, you know, all these kinds of things. So I think the more we can view that, uh, the more that not only, one with the technical issues then if shady got disconnected i think uh apparently oh no there you go all right back apologies nice first technical difficulty of the night we did we did well i think it's all good yeah um, all right so questions that's a good time to take yeah all right does anyone have any questions anything that you've been worried about or that you've uh like you know been struggling with either personally or in your relationship with god or maybe even just questions about what's going on in the world right now that you want to kind of air out and, and kind of get a broader perspective on uh, uh we could, should we unmute unmute mics or should we just say chat for now like it, type it in the chat for now um, um, I think unmute your mic if you have something to ask, but otherwise it's going to okay. be chaotic if we're hearing everyone's background noise. Okay, sounds good. So unmute if you want to ask something. Um, if you're camera shy, you can type it in the chat. How do we not procrastinate? How do you not procrastinate? Yeah. That's a good question. Shady, I'll let you take that one, bro. Yeah, um, I yeah. procrastinate all the time, so I have no authority. I think, uh, yeah. Look, I think I, I, I 
do that too. So it's going to be hard, but I'll tell you what does actually get me out of it. So um, I think that the isolation, like lockdown aspect is actually a really dangerous because like procrastination is one thing, but then there's like, you know, I'm bored. And whenever you're bored, you just, your mind goes to places that it shouldn't a lot of the time with a lot of different things, not just with procrastination. But I think like, tell, like think for yourself, if I um, kind of do what I'm going to do today, so whether I'm going to not do my work and I'm going to watch Netflix for the next you know, nine hours, if I do that for six months, which is sort of what we're in for, if not more right now, what will my life look like? All right. So if I do, but on the opposite side, if I get up, clean my room, do my homework, whatever, what will my life look like if I actually do that for six months? And you tell me at the end, and you just have to keep reminding yourself of like, oh, there's actually, like Dave was saying from a spiritual perspective, there's something on the other side of this, right? So I can't pretend that it just kind of stops here. So I have to think, hey, if I do whatever I'm planning on doing today, and if I continue that for six months, will I be happy with where my life will be at that point um, or not? And if not, make a change. But I think a really good way is an accountability group. So um, we can make, it can be your, your own um, mentor group. And um, you can say, hey guys, just pick one thing to do for that day. I just want to finish my you know, essay or whatever it is and let them ask you at the end of the day whether you've done that or not. Accountability groups are the bomb and they've been the thing that's helped me personally most during the last three years or so. They've been the most helpful thing for me personally to not procrastinate. So, yeah. um, we've, is, that, is that helpful, Anne? You, you don't have to lie, Anne. You can tell. Yeah, you tell you can, uh... <laughs> no, it actually is. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's code for no, it wasn't. All right. Um, I, I know. I know. Uh, there's actually a great question. I'm guessing Shani is Chantel. Is that, yeah, am I correct? Um, uh, she asks in the chat, my friend's parents went to the UK, but before they went, I asked why they would do so. And he said, followers of God don't live in fear. Is that an example of living in fear or just being rational? It's a very good question. Um, I, I had a guy who came into the clinic, who's a Christian. I know he's a Christian. He knows I'm a Christian. Came into the clinic and he, I said, you know, stay safe. Make sure you stay at home, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, by Friday, uh, everything is going to, uh, like the, the virus is going to be eradicated by faith. I know by faith. And I was like, okay, I, ho I hope so. I don't think so, but I hope so. So um, I think, I think, uh, there is a, there is a, um, a lot of Christians go through these difficult, um, uh, circumstances or periods in their life, um, uh, where they want to believe something and therefore they declare God's voice in it. Um, and then kind of say, yeah, yeah, this is God because it's, I can pull up a few Bible verses that like, you know, support my idea. And therefore, this is God's idea. In other words, in this situation, Shani, I'm referring to like, I want to go to the UK. And uh, yeah, I as a Christian don't live in fear. I live by faith. And so we use things like that to justify. Now, I don't know this person and I don't want to like judge anyone or anything like that. But what I would say is this, that we are called to uh, be rational. 
We are called to use our minds that God has given us. Um, and we are called to make decisions that aren't just good for ourselves, but uh, at a, well, really, we're called to be selfless. We're called to make decisions and, and try to do things that help other people. And in this kind of situation, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer to say that the overall advice, the overwhelming advice is don't travel, like so much so that the government has put a ban on it. Um, the overwhelming advice is uh, don't put others at risk by going out and, and doing these kind of things. And look, technically, you can still travel while you know following all of that advice, but I think you're putting yourself and others in harm's way uh, to do so, let alone when you come back. Um, and obviously now the government has instituted a, a like very strict 14-day quarantine for anyone who returns back to Australia. And it's actually very, very difficult now to come back to Australia, especially from a place like the UK, which is much harder hit. Um, and they're hunkering down for a, a catastrophe there. So um, bottom line is, I think we should be really careful using our own motives uh, to justify and then grabbing some Bible verses out of context to justify what we want or what we think. But that's really, really hard because then the question becomes, how do you know what's true then? How do you know what's actually God's word and what, you know, and what isn't just my personal opinion or my personal desire? And I think it really just goes back to relationship. And I think it also comes back to making decisions with other godly people's input and, and help. So I would hope that if I was gonna make a stupid decision um, or, or a decision that was not godly, I would hope that uh, one of you guys um, who is godly would turn around and say, you know what, they probably don't do this. If screen sharing, thank you. I love your picture that you're sharing right now. Nice bathroom you got there. <laughs> um, who's that? Uh, Selena? Anyway, so, no, no, it's not you. Okay, all right. Olivia, so, anyway, popping her head off there. So she's obviously. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Anyway, was, was that are... helpful? Maybe it was just rambling. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, look, if I just touch into that, yeah. do your actions make people want to know Jesus more or less? Right. So if, if in this moment you're like, hey, stuff you, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to jump on a plane to the UK. I don't care if you or anybody else gets sick as a result. Um, that doesn't make me want to lean into whatever it is you have faith in um, personally. I think to be considerate, to be um, loving, to be firm. Look, if God called you to go somewhere and you felt like you needed to be there and you had a reason to be there and you believed that he would protect you while you were going to do that thing or whatever that's a bit of a different story to i'm going to go on my holiday anyway um i i think that that's um that's a bit of a different bit of a different story so i don't think we should use our faith as a disguise to do something that might hurt someone else for the kids all right other questions? Yeah. Um, any, Justin just raised else? his hand. So if he wants to speak okay. up. Go, Justin. That was an accident. <laughs> Thank you. That's all right. Any other, these are great questions, guys. Any others? Yusuf is asking why he got muted by Rana. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's please clarify this. No, I'm joking. You don't have to clarify. <laughs> Yusuf, if you did get over it, bro. No, I'm joking. I'm sure she didn't mean to. All right, anyone else? Type it in the chat, say it out loud. All good. Dave, I have a question. Yeah, bro. Hey, Matt. So, so you mentioned feeling lonely. Yeah. I mean, what's. You have a wife, right? Well, what's. Uh, I'm okay. What's Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me what loneliness looks like in that context. Oh, okay. Very personal question. Oh, I personally have not felt lonely. lonely. In fact, I see 40 to 50 people a day through my work. Um, and by the time I get home, I kind of just want to be alone. But um, uh, I have felt <laughs> Sarah, Sarah has felt lonely, she says. I think, I think, I think uh, well, maybe I throw this out to other people who might uh, and, and Sarah, if you want to talk by all means, but, um, I think you can still be lonely, even in situation like this, where we're meeting, gathering together, you'll be lonely at home. Uh, you can, you can just crave more human contact than just one person. Um, so I think it's conceivable for all those things to be true. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, Sarah, how do you deal with like, eight hours or nine hours of home. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys deal with like, you know, being at home for extended periods of time, either by yourself or seeing the same people, i.e. your family members, like for the whole day? Do you get sick of it? You happy with it? <laughs> what do you guys feel? I dare you say that. Freddie, you're gonna share with us? Oh, you can go. Hello. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Oh, it's Shaza. Um, I was watching with Lydia. Hi. Hey, uh, I just want to end. No, I don't want. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can put the video on. I look a bit bummy. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, wait, where is the camera? <laughs> okay. No, I wanted to answer that question on how to deal with being alone. Yeah. Um, I think right now is a really good opportunity. Like, you've probably already all heard. But it's a good time to invest in hobbies or any skills or traits that you feel like you've never had time to do. Um, I think it's really good to maybe learn a new language. If you go on YouTube, you can actually learn so many new skills. Um, and with do with religion, there's actually this book you can buy on Amazon called Know Your Bible. And it summarizes every single book of the Bible from start to finish. Um, and I think it's really helpful because then you can like, actually spend some time with God right now. And I know our lives are always so busy with school and work and whatnot, but now it's like you have that time to build a relationship that you kind of always make an excuse and say, I'll do it later. Like, I know I personally do that. So any of you guys, yeah, that might help. But yeah. Good advice. All right. Yeah. I'm going to unmute now. All right. <laughs> Why? I think oh, yeah, no, that's very good advice. Yeah, I think that, like... Do you guys know who Robin Williams is? The guy who was the voice of uh, the genie in Aladdin? Before, before he was Disney, he was, he was actually a comedian. Right? And there's a quote by him that I think is, is really profound. He says, 
I used to think that the worst thing in life was to be alone, but now I've realized that the worst thing in life is to be around people who make you feel all alone. So I think that, um, and if you know the story, he, he ended up taking his life and he was the one who made the whole world laugh kind of thing. So I think loneliness isn't necessarily being by yourself. You can definitely still be around people and be alone. So I think it's, um, it's, it's much more about how um, deep the connection is that you actually do have with the people around you, whether it's one person or, or 10 people or 100 people. But um, is it genuine? Is it real? Or is it just a skin deep thing? Um, and times like these where, like, um, you know, we have people who might not be able to make it to the meeting or like it's, it's actually awesome that we can use a platform like this and God is using it to bring us together. Out of this, though, we can create little groups and we already have little groups like mentor groups where you can be a part of a group and you can build relationship more deeply with people who might not necessarily be in the same room as you, but are still connected to your heart, to your mind, to you spiritually. Um, and I think that that's, that's very important during this time when loneliness is bad on a normal day. It's, it's particularly bad when it's... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see things like, um, you know, rates of family violence go up and rates of alcoholism go up and rates of drug use go up. Because when you leave people at home for a long time, they'll, they'll find problems to create. So it is important to be a part of a community right now. And if that's found in here for you, amazing. Do jump in and, and reach out and say, hey, put me in a group and we will happily do that um, for you and with you. And also, also I, I just want to mention, um, in terms of if you're thinking of getting into drugs and alcohol at this point in time, I know it's very tempting, um, but from somebody who works in drugs and alcohol, we might be shutting down as well. So, <laughs> I don't avoid that. There will be no help for you. Good tip. <laughs> Inside a scoop. I was just going to add the um, kind of off Shady's point. Um, the good thing about being at home is that it makes you think about how you can actively reach out to people and actively engage with them as opposed to like, because we have all these meetings on, you know, Tuesday nights and Thursday and Friday and like, it's almost constant that you can be in the environment of church and not notice that you're lonely because you're constantly surrounded by people. But um, this is actually a really great opportunity to be intentional about the time that you're spending with people. Um, so like doing things like this coming or like, you know, being there for the Zoom prayer meeting and for this and just video calling your friends or even just messaging to check up on them are all much more intentional ways um, of interacting with your friends as opposed to what could be kind of meaningless interactions. Um, face to face, which is kind of ironic, but. Mm. I hope that helps. All right. Anything else you guys want to chat about or free for all? These are great. So when are we going out? Guys, I am so bored at home. <laughs> See you in nine months, man. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> Even the bait. Wraps around your house. Sarah gives the tip: get a cat, foster an animal. <laughs> Trust. <laughs> Maybe have a baby. That might that might liven things up in a bit. <laughs> okay, babe. <laughs> in wedlock. Yeah, let's. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Fine print there. Marriage first. Um, no, I think um, I think this is really cool, guys. I, I was just thinking about before, like if this had happened, you know, even 20 years ago, where none of this technology exists, and they still had to shut down, you know, church and all this kind of stuff, we couldn't physically meet. How much harder all of this would have been as a person who does not enjoy technology for the most part, or like doesn't care about it, I've come to really appreciate the, the positive side of things like these. So thank God that it happened in a time when we can still do this. Uh, I think that's a, that's a wonderful blessing in and of itself for me anyway. So I'm glad about that. All right, well, Shetty, everyone wants to play assassin. So I think, that yeah. means that we should stop Actually, boring ask everyone. A question. Um, yeah. But I want to ask it to your wife, Dave. All right. Like, how is Sarah going with um, chucking everything online with all the kids and, and like all the yeah. pressure and, and parents freaking out and all that? Um, you mean teaching? Yeah, basically. Uh, well, teaching I'll, plus. I'll yell out to Sarah. Oh, Are she's they... not here. Okay. Yeah, no, she just she just went somewhere else. Sarah, there's a question about teaching. Yeah, come. Give us Sarah saying shut all schools for at least one more year. I don't think that's in Sarah's power. So, John, do you want to repeat your question? And I'll tell you. Oh, I was just wondering yeah. how everything is going. Like, how how are you coping with such a sudden like shift in in teaching, throwing everything online, and yeah, stuff like that. Um, I'm okay because I'm young and I know technology, <laughs> but there's a lot of stressed out older teachers who are really struggling, um, and there's a is lot of. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but there's a lot of collaboration, I think, as well. And I think, like, students are very... Um, they're still... It's still, like, exciting for them. I don't know how much longer, like, you know, if this goes on for the whole of next term, I think kids will be over it pretty quick. Um, <laughs> some of them just look over it. Zoom meeting already. <laughs> like I'm looking at all your faces. <laughs> like half asleep. So imagine doing that every day for every subject. So uh, it gets old. On Zoom and like stuff like that. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Use Microsoft um, Teams. And yeah. Microsoft okay. Teams. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has worked quite well. If, yeah. Uh, I have anything to say about it. It's awesome. All right. Okay. Well, what do you guys want to do now then? Yeah. Go out for burgers. Who's in? <laughs>
Have a grilled grilled voucher. Vegas, I'm always down. Vegas. Yes. I can, uh, I can Uber eat it to all of you. Send me your addresses. Dave, Dave, shout, guys. Just don't touch the delivery driver when they come. <laughs> and wash your hands. Why would I touch the delivery driver? Bro, I always touch the delivery driver. What? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. I think this is the key to end the meeting. Um. No, I think this is this has been cool. What have we got? Like forty people on this chat um, from, nice. from YouTube. Play the guitar for us. Yeah, Shad, serenade us, mate. No, it's not going to happen, mate. You can. You can mate, the guitar right behind you. There are no excuses. Did, did, did you don't see make how me call the guitar there. Yes, 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 exactly. Exactly. Stand up. Pick it up. sound. Just decorative. Makes no sense. Sing so will I, Shady. You've got a song request. So much, yeah. Absolutely not. Esther, Esther, speak on behalf of my daughter. She does not request that. <laughs> um, no, Daddy, we're cool. going to launch your YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking about that, uh, we are starting, well, we've started a new YouTube channel, Core Church. Um, and these things will go up on the YouTube channel um, and we'll be using these to launch like a podcasty kind of thing. Mm. So uh, check it out. Do a and, collab uh, with subscribe. Like and subscribe. Ring the bell. You sound like a YouTuber. Stop doing vlogs you should, like you should do a collab with the Football Oasis. Football Oasis is a sinking ship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think that editing is pretty dodgy. Oh, yep. Stop there, mate. Okay. That's mad. Yeah, well, don't forget Who's to... Who's David? Did I hear David? Hey? Yes, you did. Jonathan, just you did. Thank you everyone to the latest Football Oasis video. That's four it's minutes. probably a scam. <laughs> Trust him. Never click a link posted by by Jono. You never know. Just, you can't just click the link, yeah, Jono. You'll get credit. Don't do notifications and dislike the video. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts for next week, Dave, Shady, and anyone else? Good point. Is there any uh, topics that you guys want to uh, cover? And any feedback on tonight in general? Yeah, feedback. Right here, actually. John, you look super cute.